Hello. This is Jenners. And hey, this is Matt Hart Spade, and this is episode two of Mixtape, Mixtape Memories. Memories. Um, so there's been a lot of news lately, music news that I feel is relevant for this podcast and also of bands we either currently enjoy or used to enjoy. And maybe it'd be kind of interesting to do a quick rundown and and uh, take a trip down uh, memory lane. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was announced that Sebado is coming out with a new album. Yeah, it's um, been quite a few years. It's been, yeah, I think they said it was like six years. Yeah. Since the last one, and um, I don't even think I listened to that one that came out six years ago. Oh, I know I didn't. I feel like the last time I really listened to Sebado was college and a few years after college, so it's been a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Um, Probably Bake Sale for me. Mm -hmm. I was trying to remember. and um, But that's like such a seminal album of theirs. Yeah, Um, yeah. Probably everyone knows it. but yeah, I listened to that uh, track uh, that was posted on Brooklyn Vegan mm-hmm. that you sent me, and uh, it, like I wasn't, I was, I wasn't that into the track. No, I no, I wasn't drawn to it either. I don't know. I mean, it was better like once it started like picking up pace and stuff. But I feel like uh, you know. Then I went back and I like listened to like. Um, tracks from the last album that I guess they released six years ago and um, and that was better to me mm-hmm. but it still was didn't have like that um, that kind of like uh, emotion that they used to have mm-hmm. back in the 90s I feel like that's gone somehow yeah but I feel like that's relatively common like there are certain acts that had something to say and then they've either just repeated it their entire career or they've run out of things to say. And it's it's kind of they're just right. doing it for the sake of doing it. Right. I always feel that way when I think of the Strokes, not so much the albums they're putting out, which I think are completely forgettable these days, but more when they do a gig, because it's very obvious that the only reason they're up there is for the paycheck mm. and not for. Yeah, they have nothing to say. There's no passion behind it. There's nothing. I feel like you know, they don't even like each other. They anymore. don't like each other. <laughs> so just... But, you know, I feel like every year they'll get the offer to headline Governor's Ball for, I'm sure it's at least 100K. And they're like, yeah, we'll do it. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. <laughs> We're sitting at home. We hate each other, but we could play the same 15 songs. We're not getting know? 100K offers solo. No, so. <laughs> absolutely not. Like... And I, I understand that, but I don't know. For, for me, like, I can't get excited about a band I used to really love that is just kind of going through the motions now yeah yeah um i mean who knows maybe the first single was just uh that they uh posted was just a a whatever but yeah if it like is what the rest of the album is like i don't know about that um but i do love like lou barlow's voice like yeah of course always like love it i'll just wish that it kind of had the same vulnerability that it used to but you know we've all grown older so maybe it doesn't exist as much anymore yeah yeah you know then when you're like younger and you're like making music and you're not quite like successful um on a larger scale yet um although i it was surprising that they're playing barry ballroom Mm mm-hmm 
I thought they'd play something bigger. You think that's just because, like, it's like, oh, intimate show. I mean, you know what it is? I think the people who would go are in our age bracket and kind of like what we were discussing on the first episode. It takes us a lot to get out of the, yeah. off the couch. And I do feel like, I mean, it's a nostalgia kind of thing. There's going to be no one there that's 21 and under for that's sure. <laughs> so um, I think a lot of people, even though they may be interested in seeing them again, I don't know. It's just they're not interested maybe in in actually making the effort to get to the show and stand for the whole show. I don't know. True. Also, I I feel like these days, uh, you know, back in, you know, 90s, early 2000s, mid 2000s, there were many outlets that would cover um, something like a new Sebado album. And now there aren't. Yeah, I mean, listen, and I mean, full disclosure, I'm a music publicist, so I kind of deal with this regularly. Uh, there's the just the pool of of publications online and print and TV and otherwise that will cover something unless it's a huge pop thing that gets a lot of easy clicks. It's a very small pool. And unfortunately, it's it's getting smaller by the day. And in, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Should we talk about that Smashing Pumpkins Noel Gallagher tour? <laughs> so that oh was also gosh. announced over the last couple of days um, as as of the time of this recording. And uh, that is such like a, I mean, we're definitely the target market there. Do you remember a couple of years ago, Smashing Pumpkins did a tour with Marilyn Manson? No, I, I, I just... Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it was like one of those... say about that. It was like an outdoor festival kind of show. Like, not festival. It was like a... Um, outdoor amphitheater type show so mm. on the east coast they would play like jones beach and so on and this is the same kind of thing it's like a summer cash grab yeah it's so weird to me because to me like smashing pumpkins and a marilyn manson or a noel gallagher <laughs> they just seem so different yeah musically that like i would never like pair them together um but that's what happens these days i guess like, i think it's a package deal yeah. And I think the people who still regularly listen to those kind of acts listen to the few alternative radio stations that still exist around the country. And to them, that's yeah. that's a perfect pairing. It doesn't matter. But, like, who likes Billy Corgan anymore? Like, I know. <laughs> I mean, his views lately have been pretty... Yeah, Gross. like, after, like, kind of... I mean, I feel like maybe I, like, lost interest in him as an artist like a while ago but it was really like when all of his like crazy political <laughs> like posts were like i don't know just such a turn off yeah i agree i agree and i mean no gallagher actually i have to admit last summer a friend of mine got tickets to see uh liam gallagher at uh summer stage in central park here in new york and uh it was a pouring it was a nasty night it was raining all those outdoor shows you never know what to expect but i'm not bitching about the weather what i am going to bitch about is that he sounded terrible <laughs> and he i'm thankful he did a lot of oasis songs but you could tell he didn't want to and yeah. i was just like there are people here that paid a lot of money for these tickets and it's just so yeah i don't know it's always disappointing when they can't deliver the vocals yeah like... yeah it was like painfully bad but you know who opened was um uh, Richard Ashcroft from The Verve, oh, and that cool. was that was actually incredible. I have to say, he still sounds great. He still sounds yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, he still sounded great. Well, that's cool. I mean, yeah. <laughs> poor Liam <laughs> to be outshined by. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> it's like, 
Maybe it should have been the other way around. Yeah, maybe. You know? Maybe. But yeah, I mean, wait, is it? They ha- do they have a new album, Smashing Pumpkins? Is that why they're? I touring? don't even know. I don't even know. Um, I saw Billy Corgan was doing some sort of press a few months back, so maybe there is something new. But I don't like. I said I. That's not something that I would seek out. Yeah, because you know? I feel like. Um, also, it's like, what was the last Smashing Pumpkins album? That I listened to. It was probably the one with 1979 on it. <laughs> Melancholy. Well, of course. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it was probably like the last one I like, quote unquote, bought, you know, and listened to like the whole thing. I'm, I think I might have bought the one after that, which I believe was called Adore. Um, but of Adore course. Adore was after that? Oh. Yeah. And oh. Siamese Dream was before it. Yeah. Siamese, Siamese Dream, Dream I love. Yeah. yeah. And I, I did love Melancholy, but I mean, I was also like 15 when it came out, I think, something like that. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know, my taste has changed, and that's not an album I go back to either, really. Yeah, I mean, I had like I definitely have like an emotional attachment to Siamese Dream, mm-hmm. just because um, I remember like it was the CD that one of my cousins bought me, mm-hmm. and then I was like really into art at the time, so I was like um, in our high school we had um, like an art major, mm-hmm. and so I had art every day, and like. Back then, I was, like, really into, like, kind of surrealist kind of visions and stuff like that. And, like, so I would listen to Siamese Dream, and then I would, like, draw, like, this, like, you know, surrealist piece that I was working on. So, and I'd, like, scribble the lyrics, like, here and there, like, in this, like, picture. And so, for me, it was, like, I was such a, like, um, your typical, like, um angsty teenager (laughs) (laughs) listening to this song and like or like mayonnaise you know that Uh was like such a um i don't know like a song that stuck with me but yeah it's not like something like i go and revisit not really um but it would still probably evoke some kind of emotion Mm -hmm. like i guess honestly if i were given free tickets to that show i would go and i would sing along to all the big oasis and pumpkin songs but i mean do i want to schlep and pay a hundred dollars for that no absolutely not you know and I probably just, the crowd's terrible i just can't take <laughs> oasis seriously no no to me no. they're not like obviously they became really popular and they're you know there's good music behind it i guess but there was good music to a point it like sort of became like cheesy to me at some point mm-hmm. like it went from well, I guess like the lyrics were always bad, but lyrics like, were bad. Yeah, <laughs> so they were always kind of made fun of a little bit for that. But like, you know, and like Wonderwall is almost like a punchline, mm-hmm. I don't know, like mm-hmm. more than you know, like a serious song or something. Mm-hmm. But like, um, yeah, I don't know. They're like a joke to me. So yeah. whenever I hear them, I'm like, ugh, who listens to this? Like, I don't know. It's like it's like what you sing at karaoke, you know? Exactly, exactly. Because <laughs> it's a laugh. Exactly. Not because you're like, oh, this song is so awesome and meaningful. <laughs> <laughs> and then some big Morrissey news. Yes. Yeah, so this broke today. Um, so Morrissey is going to do Seven Nights on Broadway, uh, which, I mean, I'm excited about. But at the same time, I feel like he's mostly just doing this to stroke his ego because I'm trying to think where he... The last time he was here, he played the theater at MSG, which I would assume is like four or 5,000, I'd guess. And this room, 
this Broadway room is a little over a thousand and he's going to do multiple nights. I mean, I think it's a kind of a cool concept to do something um, that he has not done before. I think another part of the reason maybe that he's doing it is because he's pissed off so many other venues at this point because he's just so impossible behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I'll definitely be talking about at least one of them. I'll probably be, go to a few. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Well, yeah, I want to I would want to go see like maybe one. Mm -hmm. But like uh, uh, I feel like the last one I went to see him at maybe was at like Radio City or mm -hmm. something like long, long. Oh, that was time a while ago. ago. Long, yeah. Long time ago. And um, and just being amazed that like he the way he performs, you know, and then the way the crowd reacts to him. Uh, and how he'll just like change lyrics mm -hmm. here and there and like that was a surprise to me you don't generally see that mm -hmm. in like live performance is that what i mean you've seen him multiple times i've seen him 20 times so like is that just like no he thing? does that pretty regularly yeah. there are certain songs where he'll always have an altered lyric but then there are some cases where he will change a lyric based on what's going on in the world politically or mm. of that week so yeah that is kind of Okay, it keeps you, it interesting. What do you think he's going to do on Broadway? Well, they're building it as a greatest hits set. Oh. But I feel like with Morrissey, he's never wants to, he never really wants like a greatest hits set. So I feel like, you know, you're going to get Every Day is Like Sunday and some of the bigger stuff and maybe two or three Smith songs. But at the end of the day, he's going to play what he wants. Is I it, think they have to build it as a greatest hits. Is it just going to be like a concert? Or? I think it's just going to be a, like a concert. Okay. I think it's going to be his exact show that he would do at a different venue just on Broadway. That's crazy. Although maybe he'll wear a suit or something right. yeah. <laughs> will there be acting <laughs> yeah oh god i hope not a chorus line yeah. <laughs> i mean i feel like he's brought in like that kind of stuff before into shows maybe. yeah yeah um or like he's had he's definitely had like dancers on stage and like it was been a while but he once in, i mean He's into mm -hmm. the theatrics of it all, for mm -hmm. sure, you know, mm -hmm. whether it's just him or whether it's the spectacle of it all, you know. Yeah, that'll be curious. Yeah. It's like, what what would Morrissey consider, like, his show on Broadway? That'll be interesting to see, like, how that kind of comes to life. I'm very interested to see how the crowd reacts because, like I said, I've seen him many, many, many times. Uh, typically, even if it's a seated venue, the crowd rushes to the front. Mm -hmm. Um but I have a feeling at a like at a Broadway theater where there are all these rules in place and, uh, you know, people behind the scenes that have to follow a certain clock and a certain security protocol and blah, blah, blah. I I think it'll be a lot more civilized than a typical Morrissey show. No. Uh, do you think there's like press pits in Broadway plays? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like how does that work on Broadway? I wonder. And, and with the the band being like the orchestra <laughs> i don't think so i think he's gonna have it exact i mean if i were to guess it would be exactly like any other show it's just that he's on broadway and you know he it's could say to he's call on it that right yeah like on broadway when it's really just a venue on broadway it's just a venue on broadway right? yeah apparently what did they say was there i forget it was something funny it had just ended there wasn't the share show that's still going it was something funny so <laughs> now that it's free that was the one available right yeah you know oh yeah that'll be that'll be cool actually because yeah it's it's also cool for the fans to see them mm -hmm. in different venues like you know obviously the artist wants to play different 
venues all the time. Probably they get bored playing the same places. I always think it's cool too when a larger act plays multiple nights at a smaller room versus, yeah, you know, the one big show. Uh, yeah. And he hasn't, particularly him, he hasn't done that in quite some time. The last time he did multiple nights was like over a decade ago. I remember he did five nights at Hammerstein. And then he did five nights at the Apollo way back over, around the You're the Quarry album. Mm. But um, this isn't something he does too often. So Yeah, it's always nice. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't like the big venues. But yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know, intimate shows, like, that's, that's. What I like about going to see a live show. Yeah, me too. I go to see a live show to be like 50,000 feet from the no. artist watching them on a video screen. No. Like, no, you go. To some people that doesn't bother them. But I think for us, that that's an issue. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't, like, what's the point? I could just watch it on YouTube or something, you know? Like, exactly. Like, no, I want to have some proximity and like kind of feel like I'm there, mm-hmm. you know, near them. Um, and... Uh, like that gets lost the bigger you go exactly and to me that's part of the magic of a live show also you know who's doing something this spring is bjork is doing multiple nights at a smaller venue uh, at the shed which is a brand new space yeah um i don't think actually anyone has ever performed in that room i think she'll be the first um and also that room is just over a thousand people and she's doing two weeks of shows i think which immediately sold out of course um but that's you know Bjork is always looking for something uh, off she's, the beaten path. She's kind know? of great that way. Yeah. Um, last time I saw Bjork, it was at, I think, United Palace. Mm-hmm. Um, she did a few. I went to one of those. Yeah, she did a few shows there. Yeah. And um, and I had never been to that place before. So it's, you know, it was like, heard of it, but never been. And had to go see Bjork there. Um, but I just like, yeah, I didn't even try to get tickets to the shed, but I forgot about it. And then, um, a colleague of mine asked if I got tickets and it was 15 minutes after they went on sale. I said, oh yeah, they did go on sale today. And by literally 15 minutes later, the whole entire run was gone. Yeah. So, and I on StubHub for thousands. <laughs> yeah. The aftermath. Yeah, it's like, kind of I like, didn't get tickets. <laughs> do you remember years back, the Kraftwerk shows at MoMA that went oh, so quickly yes. and everyone was bitching about online it was a similar kind of thing yeah <laughs> yeah because you i don't know it's like it's so hard and then a lot of them end up on scalper sites yeah and so that's even it's always more disappointing it really like, is come on it really like, is you can't even, like the real people can't buy the freaking tickets and they're already expensive to begin with mm-hmm. for these like bigger artists anyway because if they play a smaller room and they have to make the tickets pretty expensive to kind of like make the artists the same similar kind of money mm-hmm. you know but um yeah i don't know like, the game of the ticket purchase now is just uh, i feel like it gets worse and worse you yeah. know um and i don't give myself the anxiety i used to anymore a because i don't go to as many live shows as we discussed but the ones i really want to go to if i'm not able to pull something right away i know that at the end of the day they'll either release some house seats just before or maybe i have a contact at the venue or maybe there's some random contest. I don't get as stressed as I used to. You know? I like I like your tactic on the Nick Cave show where you're just yeah. like, oh, there's $20 tickets. Like, cool. Exactly. <laughs> like, I think I'm going to do that. I'm going to look for a Barclays show that's just, just to like go and experience it. Yeah. Like, I feel like also at those super huge shows, you can buy a seat in a terrible nosebleed section, 
kind of shimmy down to whatever. Nobody really cares because yeah. once the show has started and there's no drama, the yeah. security teams don't really care. <laughs> exactly. You know. <laughs> there's a lot of breaking news today that yeah. was like kind of, I don't know, I feel like 90s. Or, or these folks had their heyday in the 90s. And one of them was the singer from Prodigy, Keith Flint, had yeah. died today. Um, and that, you know, listen, I haven't listened to Prodigy in a long time. But at the same time, it was kind of a bummer. I mean, he wasn't that old, I think around 50. Yeah, I feel but like, like for took... the electronic community, it's like a big loss, you know? Yeah, probably horrible, but I assumed it was like drug related or something. But I think he took his own life. I you see, I didn't, I didn't. No, I guess I didn't read into it that much. I don't know. Because, like, well, there was some, like, um, like somebody from the band posted on, like, his Instagram, on the okay. Prodigy Instagram, something like, um, like, I'm sorry, I can't believe I'm saying this, but our brother, you know, Keith took his own life. And I was like, Oh, what? so they just said, well, they just said it. I'm sure on if the, the family Insta. would be cool with that. Yeah. <laughs> so I was kind of shocked by that because. That also seems to be kind of happening a lot yeah. these days with like our, you know, kind of iconic figures, you know, even bigger than Prodigy. Kind yeah. Of. Well, I, I first one I think of is Chris Cornell yeah. in terms of most recently, yeah. like kind of this, you know, larger than life 90s rock star that, you know. It's people you always think will be around at least for a while and like when suddenly they're not and mm-hmm. then it's like by their own doing Mm -hmm. and it just seems kind of you know it's sad and it's like you just try to understand why but it's like impossible Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know um but that was sad and then but like also you know he's not you know a musician but luke perry also passed away whenever i think luke perry obviously i think 90210 as probably most people do and i just have fond memories of watching 90210 with my mom and then it would lead into melrose place i forget what day it was on but one was on at eight and then one was on at nine and we would sit there and watch this and i feel like we watched it for years and then of course i remember the drama with uh dylan and and kelly and uh brenda and the whole thing Mm. but it's kind of sad i feel like he was in his own right kind of a sex symbol in the early mid 90s you know he definitely was there you know he was like a bad boy, mm-hmm, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and like, uh, I think, you know, kind of like had this like kind of almost like James Dean ish persona. That's, yeah, you're exactly right. And um, so it was kind of like recycling that kind of vibe mm-hmm. into like 90s, mm-hmm. you know. And then, of course, as soon as I heard that, I went and looked up Shannon Doherty. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what her relationship is with the cast at this point. I know it's always been kind of tumultuous. Yeah, I know. I I think that she's turned around a lot because she went through cancer recently. Oh, and that's like, right. Like was chronicling that like pretty heavily on social media, which was like crazy. It's crazy to see like her um, kind of in that light, in mm-hmm. that you know, because she's so vulnerable after years of thinking that she's like very bitchy or very strong headed, mm-hmm. you know. And then so I Googled her and um, yeah, I guess she like after he had Luke Perry had that like stroke a few days ago, like she reached out to him. So like, mm. but she kept she she didn't like tell everybody what she said. She was like, that's private, mm-hmm. which is Good respectable. Yeah. yeah. 
Definitely. Not um, everything is for TMZ consumption. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> so I respect that. Every day, I feel like I hear some 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 kind of passing. Or yeah. Like, yeah. Know. So you're either rebirthed with like a tour or a new album <laughs> or you're passing away. Yeah. It always just like makes you kind of think about your own life and like, mm-hmm. you know, trying to accomplish things or, you know, take advantage of every day. So I think also you kind of uh, learn to appreciate things the older you get. And this is maybe slightly off topic but with music, but I'll bring it back to something recently. I went and splurged and spent like $200 for a meet and greet with garbage <laughs> because I was the biggest garbage fan in the 90s and they were doing a 20th anniversary tour of version 2.0 and I wasn't going to go and but I always had wanted to meet Shirley Manson just because I always kind of idolized her um, and had her posters on my wall as a teenager and I was like you know what damn it I'm going to cough up the cash and you know why not make the fantasy reality I'll get to meet her and she was so warm and it was it was actually a really cool moment but it uh, going back to what you were saying I feel like uh you know there, there comes a certain point where you kind of uh want to res- respect your I don't know your childhood or or um hop into I don't know how to express it really yeah. but it was it was for me it was just such a happy moment and it um yeah I'm glad I did it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you're younger, you think like, oh, you can't meet these people. But now there are ways to like meet them or like at least kind of feel like you know them too. Mm -hmm. I think that's a big social media thing. Mm -hmm. But Shirley Manson, I mean, like she was like the coolest. Oh, God. She's she still was so badass. Actually, I have to very briefly describe the experience. Yeah. I've never done one of these packages before where it's like, you know, a third party vendor sets up the whole afternoon so yeah it was it was on a saturday it was an afternoon it was at king's theater which is this stunning venue Mm. in brooklyn it's been around forever but renovated about three four five years ago something like that that. anyway it's uh it's stunning in there but the package was expensive but i gotta say it was pretty cool because you got there in the afternoon you got to attend the sound check which is i mean pretty cool uh there were about 40 50 fans i would say that probably splurged for this and then the sound check ends, and then there's a private discussion with the fans and the band for an hour. You what? could ask them anything, <laughs> at literally anything. And um, of course, some people are really embarrassing. Like someone asked, like, uh, "What's your favorite Christmas song?" I'm like, "You what? really? You sp- <laughs> really?" Or like, "What's your favorite color?" I'm like, "Really?" <laughs> so like not a first date. Like, yeah, like, it was odd. Of, like five year olds. <laughs> and then of course you have people on the other end of the spectrum that are. Uh, talking about like you saved my life and they're crying and oh my gosh and it's very intense and it also makes you feel a little uncomfortable around your age like mostly yeah yeah Yeah. and then they had they set up a a professional photographer with the backdrop and i gotta say it was like a cool two three hour experience wow um so it wasn't rushed and i gotta say like you got your money's worth yeah this company, it's called Adventures in Wonderland. They put it together. And I found out after the fact that it's actually, going back to the 90s, Jared Leto's brainchild. Oh, my God. Yes. I don't know what to think of <laughs> Apparently, he did something with 30 Seconds to Mars, which we don't even discuss that. <laughs> but uh, anyway, he's, yeah, he started this company for like uh, the experience, the meet and greet experience. Or not even just meet and greet, but band experience that is outside of the con- just the concert. Um 
And I got to say, it was really well organized and um, they sent the photo very quickly. I loved it. I thought it was great. For That's me, it awesome. was worth it. There are very few bands I would actually cough up that cash for, for an experience like that. But because I just have that connection with Shirley and mm-hmm. it just takes me all the way back, yeah. uh, it was worthwhile for me. Yeah. Yeah. And no, she you... was so badass. I got to say, she looked great. She sounded great. She was sweet. I gave her a big hug. I was having my moment. I was like, for $200, I'm like, I am every minute, I, you know. You got a, I think like that's pretty decent for what you paid. Like, because like, usually you, like, you'll pay like probably $300 to get, and then you just get a photo. Yeah. And you're, you know, it's like, you don't really get like all of that. No. Right along with it. So that was a pretty quality yep. experience. See that, but I mean, I think that that's something, you know, for, for bands that are trying to reach our demographic. And it, if it's someone who we really admire and do have an interest in meeting, set something up like that, because that I think is such a worthwhile experience that you can, I just I don't know have this warm feeling about mm. um and yeah so it's uh, like they cared about yeah the experience yeah so. I mean of course they were getting their paycheck at the end of the day but it didn't feel that way yeah you know was it like a big group uh so the New York for this experience there were like 40 50 people but I think when they do it in smaller cities like whatever Kansas City or St. Louis or something the the pool of fans that do it are more like 12 but then it's that's even cooler when yeah. it's so intimate, you know? It's like, no one gets that. No. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> I've, I've never been like the meet and greet kind of person, mm-hmm. but I've got gone to like get things signed before, mm-hmm. but like usually that's not for myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think I went to like an LL Cool J signing. Once, oh, that's awesome. And that was like for my sister. <laughs> <laughs> that was in the 90s? Um, It was at... I think it was at Virgin Megastore at Union Square. And it must have been, yeah, it must have been in the late 90s mm-hmm. um, or maybe like 2000 or something. I don't know. Um, le- yeah, because uh, I, don't, I don't remember being, I think I was still in college and stuff. So, yeah. Uh, and He's- I just remember him like always, like I waited a long time in that mm-hmm. line and all you have is to st- stare at this guy signing things. And, like, he was licking his lips, like, a ton. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't expect anything less. <laughs> <laughs> like, made me laugh so hard. Um, but this was, like, pre-selfie days. Like, you just got the autograph CD. Yeah. Yeah. Was yeah. it kind of assembly line? Yeah, yeah. It was just a line. You sign, and then you move you on. You move on. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Shirley's just cool, so I I totally approve. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she is definitely like, you know, there's not a lot of female front people who like, I think like have that the coolness of mm-hmm. her. It's like a quiet strength almost mm-hmm. that she has that I always admire. I was like, yeah, that's how I want to be like. She, well, I think what I loved about her, in addition to all those early garbage songs and albums, it's just her confidence and yeah. like and she was sexy she was confident she still is sexy confident and like just completely badass and and um intelligent and to me like she always was the one you know in a classy way though. yeah yeah you know. and she has that great accent so yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i loved her 
But, uh, you know, this maybe is a good segue to um, our repeat skip this week with oh, another yeah. amazing front woman who I think is badass, who I've, I think both of us love to this day is uh, Karen O. And I'm ta- of course, I'm talking about yeah, yeah, yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Do you want to maybe discuss your early memories with the band and like the early releases or the early shows? Yeah. um, When we kind of like decided that we were going to like talk about this album, I was like thinking back. And of course, it's like the days of like um, being at that Club Lux and like (laughs) being like, Karen O's going to stop by or like something (laughs) like that, you know? Um, But I feel like... um, you know, my first kind of real big memory of seeing them was like at Siren Festival. Oh yeah, and yeah. I was. I'm. That was. Oh my goodness. Yeah. A long time ago. Long but that was a ago. big moment because I feel like later in the day, the headline. For some reason, I remember this. The headliner that day was Sleater Kinney, mm. and they played. Yeah, yes, played in the afternoon and killed it. Oh. This is before Fever to Tell came out. This is just around the EP, I think. It was really? Way, really, really early it on. It might have been around the same time. I don't know. Because um, I think it was like maybe 2003. I think it was 2003. Maybe it was the same year Fever to Tell yeah, came out, Yeah, I think actually. it was like, maybe maybe it was in between. Maybe it was in between. Something like that. Um, they were amazing that day. They were so good. Yeah. And, you know, I was kind of like obsessed with like the um, the romance between like Karen No and Angus Young. Yes, of course. <laughs> from Liars. Um, but yeah, like, uh, uh, you know, of course the EP was awesome, but this album really kind of solidified. Oh my God. It was like, like an instant classic. Yeah, yeah. Instant classic. Like a lot, like almost every song was memorable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I listened back just to like remind myself like which one kind of, you know, mm-hmm. stood the test of time and, um, it was hard to pick. Like, there are so many good songs in this album. What the repeat was. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I narrowed it down to two. Okay, but you go. You my go. two, I mean, I, listen, I love this album all the way through. Actually, there is one that was easy for me to put as the skip because it's not my favorite. But 10 out of the 11 songs I love. Um, I would have to say Rich is one of them. I love mm-hmm. the, the opening track to this album so much. Um, uh, it just sets the tone. It's, it's, it's everything i love it but another one that i would pick uh is a song i used to remember dancing to out all the time and um it wasn't one of the singles but i think it's one of the best tracks on the album is black tongue i Uh, love black tongue so much black tongue Um, is good and that is just uh, i love the way i I just love everything the vocal i love the guitars and the bass on that i love it all um and I mean, of course, I love Date with the Night. I love the whole album, but I think if I really was forced to pick one or two, it, it would be Rich and Black Tongue mm. for my faves. Those are interesting choices because, yeah. uh, you know, they're not the, the the big hits of mm-hmm. the album, but they do have like that like attitude to it um, that Karen O was so good at like expressing. For me, it was hard... Like, each song kind of evoked, like, a different memory, but I was super into, like, the softer tracks Mm -hmm. a little bit. Like, Mm -hmm. I think maybe maybe it was just, like, I was going through relationship stuff or something. Got it. So, like, 
Yeah, like I, I like to kind of like almost the love song type stuff because uh-huh. I thought that was like it was interesting that she could be so hard and like feminist sounding and like punk um, and tough. And then on the other side, it's like her sensitive kind of, uh, you know, love songs, um, which is kind of how the album really ends. It starts off very like strong and mm-hmm. like forceful and like um and spastic in a lot of ways and which is like kind of like what you uh were into with like black tongue mm-hmm. that's definitely like a going out song oh yeah that's true i remember listening to that a ton um but i was like i, I liked modern romance a oh, lot i love modern romance um and I could sing along to that, like, like, but yeah, if, if that would, that would be like my favorite kind of softer song. Mm-hmm. And then like, yeah, I think Black Tongue yeah. would be like, if I were to pick like one of the more kind of harder songs on the album, that would be it. What about Skip? What would you skip? I would skip No, No, No. I just feel like all the songs on the album are kind of short and to the point. And that song at five minutes five plus minutes is a little um uh it i don't know it doesn't fit super well for me i feel like that might have been better as like a b-side yeah (laughs) ironically no 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 um (laughs) but uh yeah i I thought that or man Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. um those would be my like two kind of more forgettable tracks Mm -hmm. but everything else was great um, you know, they also did some sort of like a reunion tour recently around Fever to Tell at King's Theater. Actually, I went to that and they opened with Modern Romance into Rich. Wow. <laughs> so it went from one extreme to the other. Yeah. <laughs> I like that about them, though. They can just do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I love what you mentioned, because I feel like a lot of times Karen O isn't given credit for her. She has a gorgeous voice in addition to yeah. the, the punk and when she's screaming and whatnot. But uh if you've never listened to like acoustic, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah stuff from way back, it's really worth uh, diving into because it's stunning. I mean, outside of maps and everything you'd expect to sound stunning, even the the heavier, more crazy tracks when they're stripped down are incredible, and that is in large part to uh, Karen O's uh, vocal delivery. I think. Yeah, I mean, I liked. Uh, I saw her when she did that. Um... The Crush song. Oh, yeah, I went to that too. Tour. Mm-hmm. And so that was like cool to kind of just like see, um, I don't know, like a more stripped down mm-hmm. kind of version of her and her music. I always gravitate more towards like her softer songs, mm-hmm. I think, even though I, I love the more punk songs um, and they're like so fun to like uh, listen to uh, and like yeah totally like if you're going out on the town like I remember doing that a lot in the uh, early aughts listening to them and getting dressed to go to a show or something it was also like funny because like at first I don't think I realized she was like half Korean mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then to kind of discover that like later um, it made me like connect with her more mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um but, I yeah. remember seeing her mom from time to time at shows, and she's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it was, like, interesting to see, like, how someone could be so bold and, like, such a performer. 
um, and I come from like an Asian background. <laughs> <laughs> like that is not just something you see all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and like probably still you don't see that much. Right. Um, right. So I always thought like in that way she inspired me. Mm-hmm. It's, it's still a great album, I think. That's actually one from that time period that I can easily go back to and, and love. Yeah. You know, not I mean, not all of them. Yeah, and all of them together, not just Karen, but like Brian Chase, Nick mm-hmm. Sinner, they all like did their part in like mm-hmm. kind of creating this like sound um, like of an era, really. Mm-hmm. And it always surprised me like how big they got. Mm-hmm. You know, I always thought like, oh, they'll get big, but they'll never be like super crazy big mainstream. But mm-hmm. I feel like they, they are kind of in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. I mean, I recall, uh, I think the moment it really hit me was maybe, oh, God, eight, nine, ten years ago. And Karen O was the face of absolute vodka. I said, <laughs> like, talk about mainstream. And she was in all the ads. And I remember seeing that. And I thought, OK, the that's, time has come. You know? That's crazy. <laughs> or I remember looking at, like, when they released It's Blitz and some of the other kind of mid-career type stuff. Uh, and it would debut top five on Billboard. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, well, people are listening to this outside of New York, for sure. Yeah. You know? It'd be interesting to see what they wind up doing next, because they're kind of on a semi-permanent hiatus now. We'll see what, where, what happens, really. Yeah. Like, let's see what their next phase is. Yeah. Um, but I think, to me, like, they'll always make interesting yeah. stuff, just because of the, the kind of people they are. They seem, you know... It takes like a certain kind of personality. To create, exactly. Like, yeah, you can't force it. Yeah, and you know they've always been more on the artier side of things too. Yeah. So. I feel like our next pick is like the opposite of arty. Oh uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> and also a band that's gotten worse as their career has progressed, in my view. Definitely. Um, don't come for us. But uh, I do have fond memories of the, uh, and this is embarrassing to say, but like the first Weezer album, the Blue album. Yep. Um. I have a lot to say. Do you want to go ahead? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, to me, this reminds me of high school, obviously. Or like, uh, I just remember um, listening to you, like, Say It Ain't So a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or In the Garage. Yeah. You know, um, but also like... Um, I think back then I was like also kind of like strangely into like Buddy Holly. So when the mm-hmm. song Buddy Holly came out and it was like, um, uh, shit, what was the, um, the video of Happy Days video? Happy Days. Yeah. <laughs> it was like modeled on Happy Days. I was like super kind of into that. Uh-huh. Just like I was like, I watched Happy Days and uh, I obviously, you know, everyone knows who the Fonz was mm-hmm. and like, you know, so it was like definitely a part of like culture. Uh, and then they just like took that and like made this like cool ass video. Is that Spike Jones? It was. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And um, yeah, like I just thought that that was ingenious and it was kind of like making like nerdy uh, cool. Yeah. In a way. Like, it's like, and I didn't mind the shtick at all. Like no. I thought it actually worked really well early on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I have to keep saying that because nowadays I just feel like it's a beyond the joke. But I do feel like at the time in 94, 95, it somehow worked. And they were a little outside, even though it was obviously like a quote unquote alternative band at the time. They didn't fit the mold of the 
Stone Temple Pilots, uh, Soundgarden, whatever, Pearl Jam kind of grungy or whatever thing. They were kind of in their own avenue, I feel. Yeah, like still really catchy and like pop, but like they look like nerds. Yeah. And like, you know. They even look so blah on the yeah. album cover Very schlumpy schlumpy I, I don't know what i was looking for the word like drab i don't know yeah yeah probably on purpose yeah uh, probably maybe that's that was like the their their style back then um but like yeah i just and and also just like um it's interesting that it was like the blue album the green you know like they yeah, all, or like yeah. these color themes to their albums um I was like Googling and I was like, there's like a teal. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I gave up after green when I was in college. Yeah, I remember. I, mean, like, I don't think I listened to anything after green. Oh, wait, wait. Maybe Pinkerton. Was that No, Pinkerton green? was after Blue Album. Oh, yeah. Okay. Pinkerton was that. good. Also weird. And then it kind of went downhill. Green Album had like a couple tracks maybe. And then it was just bad. So it's been bad for a good 15 years. Yeah. It's yeah. been bad. But, but um, I have fond memories of the Blue Album and... Um, it was actually, this was one of the bands and one of the first albums that I, at 13, 14, whatever, was really obsessed with. And I remember I joined the fan club. <laughs> I paid $20, sent in my mom's check or whatever. And it, and I got an autographed 8x10, which is some, I'm sure my parents have it somewhere. And it also came with um, an identification card with your like Weezer fan club membership, whatever. Oh and gosh. I don't know how I remember this this shit but somehow i remember i was fan club member number 303 i don't oh know gosh. why i remember this but that's pretty good that's early on um wow. and yeah and once in a blue moon they would send me random stuff in the mail it was kind of cool like what was the coolest thing you got i like... mean there were like things i never really needed like yeah. weezer balloons uh... <laughs> or like you know weezer confetti or like um weezer confetti. or like they would oh send God. me the promo image before it was actually used in yeah. things yeah. um oh goodness what else i mean they that... would give me early access to like t-shirts okay you know okay yeah. but i mean that's you know. a cooler fan club than what i joined when i like i think the only fan club i, I had joined was um toad the wet sprocket oh my god <laughs> Wow. And I think the only thing I ever got was like Christmas postcards. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Toad the Wet Sprocket. That's yeah. amazing. But um like what what was like your favorite song from Blue Album? Oh goodness. Um I'm thinking. I you know, I I would say uh ugh. If I were to pick two, I'm going to pick two again and cheat a little bit. But uh, I love Say It Ain't So. I know it was a big mm-hmm. single and, and, you know, it's overplayed. And I still think it's a great song. But I also loved My Name is Jonas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Which is also, it's bad. When you listen to these songs, you realize that lyrically they're pretty atrocious. Uh, and actually the melodies, they're catchy, but they're nothing... Um, there's nothing inventive about what they were doing, really. That's really funny because, yeah. like, my skip is, is my name, my name is Jonas. <laughs> I was like, I hate that song. <laughs> well, I knew eventually we were going to have that happen, so I'm glad that it's happened. It's happening. Thank you, Weezer. Uh, but like, yeah, no, I. It mean, was just too tacky. It just it was kind of silly and like you know. This is pre-Jonas Brothers, you know. Yeah. But like, um, yeah, no, like, uh, it just, it had like that, like, pub, pub song kind mm, of feel to mm. it that I 
like just don't jive with at all and uh so to me it was just kind of a silly so i mean they're all silly but like silly in a like i didn't connect with it kind of way got it that's fair that's fair (laughs) like 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 i should be like having like this big you know mug of guinness or something Mm -hmm. (laughs) i bet people still do to that song like play it on some jukebox probably (laughs) (laughs) that's what i'm gonna do next time i'm in an irish pub (laughs) (laughs) um but uh did you say what the i didn't say my skip yet oh my uh, so for me the top the two were uh my name is jonas and say it ain't so oh gotcha what was your skip my skip is probably going to be surf wax america oh yeah Yeah, i thought that was i mean lyrically i mean they're all pretty bad but that one was really bad (laughs) yeah i totally agree like off the charts bad yeah my skip is definitely bad and my name is jonas (laughs) (laughs) so what was your did you Tell us your repeat yet or no? No, I didn't say my repeat yet. Um, I mean, it's hard because I feel like I listen to In the Garage like a ton. Mm. um, But there's something emotional about that song. Yeah, that's why I like I always go with the more emotional (laughs) songs. (laughs) I'm a a sucker for sadness, obviously. but yeah, like either in the garage, um, and I also know this is like um, uh, totally like overdone. But I do like the sweater song, mm-hmm. undone. Of course. You know, yeah. I mean, to me, the blue album is like every song is a karaoke song. Like you yeah. just want to sing it for karaoke and like scream it. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> you know? exactly. At the top of your lungs, like it's like that. It's like teenage emotion yeah like to to the max yeah um so yeah i would say undone and in the garage although say it ain't so it's just so classic yeah um there were good singles on that album you yeah know? like a lot of good ones yeah yeah that was the, i have i have fond memories of that album yeah i i just can i can imagine myself holding the cassette tape and opening it you know <laughs> totally <laughs> And, like, also thinking that they were, like, even though they, like, had this nerdy appearance, I thought they were so cool. And so... um, It was almost, like, ironically cool because they they were not in reality. (laughs) And in some ways, like, I, you know, did you ever listen to, like, The Rentals? Of course. Yeah. Friends of P was my jam. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Yeah. and uh yeah so sometimes like the offshoots were kind of like cool yeah too. yeah that's true but i don't know at some point they just like became like a cartoon yeah um, it was like a parody of a parody of a parody and then at, at a certain point it's not funny anymore yeah you know? like uh and, and then like it's almost like them also like now you know more about like these people and maybe they're not as appealing as they were like, yeah that's when, true like a kid and you don't know much mm-hmm, um mm-hmm about them so i don't know uh over time but the, the the songs still stand up for me as far as like um fun songs to sing along to yeah and like you said if i were to hear one of the songs in a in a bar i would want to sing along to it yeah you know definitely so, <laughs> and no shame no shame yeah no shame um unless you're singing my name is jonas <laughs> <laughs> Then lots of shit. Yeah, then lots. <laughs> Just kidding, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I was wondering if perhaps we could change gears and talk about some of our showcases from back in the day. Oh, my gosh. Because yeah. I feel like you and I threw or either threw or a part of a whole bunch. Um, yeah. And... You want to talk about one of your early showcases? Uh, you know, I I'm going to I'm going to recall a one that I think was a successful showcase I did. And I remember at the time I actually got some blowback from the venue and from, the, from some of the folks I was organizing the gig with because they did not want to have this band on the bill on the bill. And I was like, are you kidding? And it was a CMJ showcase that I threw at pianos and um, I had chairlift headline and it was just before they were about to have that break in the Apple commercial yeah. with bruises. But even before that, I just, I always, I love Carolyn's voice and yeah. I just, I thought that they were on the verge. Um, that first album, I think K9 put it out. And um, a lot of it was really moody. I mean, obviously, Bruises was more of a pop song. But um, I thought they were great. And uh, and then I feel like either the Apple commercial had just broke or was about to break. And there was all this interest. And it's funny because that particular showcase was kind of like moderately attended. And then what, by the time Chairlift came on, it was like, a long line to get in. I was like, uh-huh. Who told y'all to book this man? And I remember actually the John Perellis at the Times like was in the room and wrote something and I thought that was so cool, especially That's for like cool. someone with like this little janky blog that I kind of threw together the show last yeah. minute, you know. So um you that was a good really feeling. Good lineups, though, I think like uh I think that's why people followed your you know, blogging is that like um you had good taste and and then a lot of the bands that you champion went on to like you know at least a moderate success yeah there there are a couple and then there are a couple that didn't really do many do much of anything but um but that's that the music was a, industry though. that's the industry it's like it's it can be so disappointing in so so many ways when like the band that you love like don't like make it further than yeah. they should yeah you know. Or sometimes it takes a bit. Like we mentioned briefly on the last episode, Sharon Van Etten, who I championed for a long time early on and did gigs with her. And she actually recorded a couple Morrissey songs for me. Like, oh, that's at, cool. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. But uh, now she's really having her moment. And it's it's uh, it feels it feels uh, I feel a sense of like happiness for her. I'm proud of her. I'm like super thrilled that I saw she had a spot on like Ellen. So, like, the Ellen audience now knows who she is. That's crazy. That is so crazy. It just took a while because, uh, you know, she would do those early shows at Cake Shop, Pianos, and so on, and The Living Room, and that was 07, 08, 09. And now, you know, full decade plus later, it's all happening. So sometimes it's just a matter of gigging and keeping at it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think a lot of bands, like, fizzle out before because it's so hard to make money in music. So if you're not gigging all the time and making decent money at that, and maybe it's like easier. I don't know if she has a band sometimes with her or yeah, something, yeah. but like, you know, it's a lot easier to tour as a solo artist mm-hmm. or as like, you know, a small group than it is with like a big band. And, mm-hmm. and then the older you get, so the more years you put into it, the older you get, the less like the less you're crashing on people's floors yeah, and yeah. like, you know, doing it like the super cheap way um, be- becomes like harder and harder. So a lot of bands will break up before they've really had the chance to kind of um, make that breakthrough, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. into the, into the, you know, 
popularity, like larger popularity, I guess. But um, do you have a fond memory of a of a, a band or a particular showcase from back then? Um, so funny. Uh, I think I threw so many weird showcases um, over the years. Um, I was going to talk about my first showcase, but like actually like. No, maybe I will. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. It's so hard to choose. Um, but yeah, the first time I ever did a showcase, it was at Lux. And um, I was really into the Moldy Peaches at the time. Who Love. Actually, at the time, toured all the time with the Strokes. Mm-hmm. and uh, Which was another band that I followed a lot at the time. And so I just ended up kind of really, you know, falling in love with Moldy Peaches and Kenya Dawson mm-hmm. and just and Adam Green and just the whole anti-folk thing that mm-hmm. was happening and um, which like uh, before them I don't think I even knew <laughs> anti-folk as a genre yeah so um, and uh, and but I just as I was getting into them they took this quote-unquote hiatus which mm-hmm. I don't think they ever came back <laughs> And I just remember being so disappointed and being like, no, I was just getting into them. Like, how can you just like go on hiatus? And so uh, at the time, I was friends with this girl who was friends with the sister of this guy who was in Moldy Peaches. So okay. That was like my weird, oh, like so distant kind of connection to them. And uh, this guy, Stephen Mertens, uh-huh. who is still like a musician. Um, and like, uh, and somehow I got, you know, in touch with him through all the, the, the connections. And uh, I proposed like, hey, what if like, the moldy peach there's like a moldy peaches show but it's like all of your like so- solo and side projects <laughs> <laughs> so it's not the moldy peaches but uh-huh. it's like everything you guys are working on because you guys are on hiatus or whatever and so he started talking to everybody and like everyone got on board and so like i ended up um with the show and it was like kim Dawson. it was like all of them and their side projects at the time and um and um, I don't even know if they've done that since, like a show where it's been all of their so. side things. That might have been the only time. It might have been the only time. And I just remember, like, the only person I hadn't gotten was Adam Green. Uh-huh. Um, but after it kind of was, like, out there, like, that this was happening, um, then he want. I think after it got a little talked about, like, then he, like, wanted to be involved or I something. I don't know. Um or maybe he was just like, why aren't I a part of this? Mm-hmm, it doesn't mm-hmm. make it like I should just be a part of this. So I had all of them. And uh, and it was like actually a really special night. I like uh, actually this is you'll find this really funny is like I totally mo- I called it like the peach pit. <laughs> so a total 90210 reference there. Um, and I went I remember going to the store and buying like these like mini peach pies. Oh, like that's so cute. So many of them. Uh-huh. And so like I had this like weird like peach pit theme going. <laughs> <laughs> and um and yeah, it was kinda like my first like on the moon music presents like party. Um and it was great because actually like everyone sat down on the floor for oh, the wow. show. So it was like super intimate, like 
uh, vibe. Um, so I'll always like remember that. Um, That's a great one. Um, but yeah, that was kind of the start of like me throwing like these shows and showcases and it was really just like based on like what I wanted to hear or see oh yeah I mean I feel like for me too it was kind of selfish it was bands that I wanted to hear and wanted to book and not necessarily or like what drew or not necessarily what yeah everyone else was booking you know it was kind of beauty of it it was like it wasn't driven by like how many do you draw Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know it was like no what music am I into right now mm-hmm. and like who do I want to like kind of highlight mm-hmm. you know so it's not like that anymore no it's really not um I have to say just that I was a big moldy peaches fan I had seen them for the very first time yes. open for the strokes uh, at 9 30 club in DC oh, and wow. then I was I was fascinated I was like what is going on because they're super strange <sighs> and uh the songs are either completely hilarious or absurd or combination. Um, I've never heard anything like that before. Oh, it was so good. And then, and then, just, and then I was obsessed and saw them many, 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 yes. many times. And then, of course, they split. Yeah. Oh, so sad. Maybe one day they'll reu- reunite. Hello. Hello. Yeah, I would. I would totally go to that, and I'd pay for the meet and greet and everything. <laughs> <laughs> just listen up. Yeah, I feel like they had a. It wasn't really a reunion, but they did have around when. Juno came out and then oh yeah what was the song called nobody else or everybody else but you it was like the cutesy ballady song on the album um and then that soundtrack like shot up the charts completely unexpectedly and I want to say that Adam and Kimya performed the song on some sort of tv show once and that was it yeah it wasn't like a proper reunion it was more like this song is a strange hit now so yeah yeah but yeah. I loved all the weird songs on that album. Downloading porn with Dave. Oh my god! Oh my god! So many, so many strange. We'll ones. have to do that album. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to do Repeat that one. Repeat and skip. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, we noticed recently that I guess maybe you're more aware, but I wasn't that there's this relatively new festival that's it's called New Colossus. Yes. Yeah. New Colossus, and it's kind of. CMJ-esque. Yeah, is kind of like, uh, I think, more global. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even more so than CMJ was. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, kind of carefully curated group of um, bands and artists who uh, kind of hail from all over. I didn't actually, like, recognize a lot of the names, so I think a lot of them are, like, up and coming. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, like we've kind of missed, you know, ever since CMJ kind of ghosted New York, like there's been Northside, which mm-hmm. has been cool. But um, I don't know, like. And I threw a few Northside related uh, shows early yes. into Northside's um, yeah. existence. Yeah. But I haven't gone in recent years, to be honest with you. Yeah, me yeah. neither. Um, I always like mean to, and mm-hmm. then it just never happens. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, but I think you know they've been doing well and expanding. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what it seems like anyway. Yeah. And um, they really like take over almost every venue in Brooklyn. Yeah, you know, that's under five hundred capacity. You know, is it just? Is it only like North? 
the it's north expanded side of, now. Yeah it's, yeah, it's in more places. Yeah, because I always found that that was like the most limiting part. Is yeah. Like, oh, it's only in this like one area. I feel like now it includes Bushwick even into Ridgewood, and then even further towards Central Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah, they've it expanded a little bit. Um. Okay. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Um, Good for them. It takes a lot of effort, energy, everything to keep this stuff going, especially nowadays. So kudos to them. Northside was kind of started by like Elle magazine, Mm -hmm. I feel like. And then um, New Colossus, it's kind of cool because it's like some old school people that um, we know, actually. Yeah. it's like Leo mm-hmm. uh, from Canine Records mm-hmm. and Mike Bell, who used to be at Filter, but mm-hmm. now he has his own company, Lorimer Beacon, mm-hmm. that works with like international artists. And then um, Stephen Matrick, who mm-hmm. um, I think he still books pianos. I think he does because I received an email from him fairly recently about something upcoming okay. with pianos. So, so there yeah. you go. He still books pianos and also manages The Place to Bury Strangers. Mm-hmm. Um, and some other people and um and so it was like they must have just gotten together and decided that there needs to be like um like a pre-south by kind mm-hmm. of festival um so something in new york basically um uh, for when all these like you know national and international artists are coming into the country and down to austin i guess they wanted like something in new york it totally makes sense it totally makes sense Um, in fact i always thought it was weird that the only other one that comes to mind that is like a pre-south by stop is savannah stopover oh yeah but i feel like new york is obviously yeah it makes a lot more sense so totally i feel Um, like this is a long time this should have probably started a while ago yeah (laughs) yeah so i mean it's cool because it's like maybe if this continues on who even needs to go to Austin? <laughs> I know. I mean, I used to go every year, but I haven't gone in. Yeah. I, th- I th- you know, it's funny. I was looking at recent flights that I've taken yesterday for a different reason and just kind of going through old emails and receipts. And I think the last time I was at South by was uh, 2014. Oh, uh, yeah. So it's now been like five years. Uh, I, had a, I had a blast. I mean, I went, I think in total, I probably went six times. Mm-hmm. Um, I skipped a year or two, but I went. For the most part, fairly consecutively. Um, I can't. But remember. it just became too, it became too much of a mess, of a yeah. clusterfuck. You can't cross the street, and well, everyone there isn't there for the music. Not everyone. It's hard a percentage to go isn't there for the music. if you don't have someone like footing the bill. Yeah. Um. To be honest, I think you know the last year I went, I don't remember what year it was, but it might have been like 2011 or something like that. It was like the one year I went where I wasn't like working for ASCAP and mm-hmm. them paying for it. Oh, I was working at uh for a venue at the time too as a talent buyer, so I went down. Did you ever do this where like uh I was like trying to get through it like without spending as much money as possible. So like I shared a hotel room with of a bunch course. of people, right? Yeah. Um who are they they had their badges, so they had the inn on the hotel and they were just looking for one more person mm-hmm. to take over a room. So that's like kind of how you had to do it because if you didn't have a badge, you couldn't get a hotel room. This is before Airbnb and all that. Stuff. Yeah, I can't even imagine what it's like. I don't now. know what it's like. It now. must be crazy. It, it, I think it's worse than ever. Yeah. Yeah. And um, 
but at least there's like maybe a chance maybe it's overpriced chance if you have airbnb to get like a decent lodging uh kind of close to town um and then I tried to see, like, how many meals I could, like, get for free. Because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there was always a party. That's true. That, like, had free food. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember, like, the filter party mm-hmm. um, that used to be at Cedar Street Courtyard. They had barbecue, which is kind of a funny thing to eat barbecue for breakfast. But <laughs> they had it every morning. So I remember being like, yeah, I'll go there like in the morning, eat. And then like the next party, you always get free alcohol. Well, somewhere. of course. Yeah. And um, yeah. And like the only thing I had paid for that week for food and drinks was um, fried pickles because nobody was giving away. That no, no. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really hard to find fried pickles in New York. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I have I have fond memories. I think the last time I went, though, uh, a friend of mine somehow had a connection through work to stay at a hotel that was right downtown, like walking distance from almost everything. And nothing i shared the room with him and another friend and nothing really beats that yeah because in the years prior i was quite a distance away from the downtown you had to take a bus with random (laughs) drunk people or just you know it is also the days before (laughs) i mean at least for me um days before like lyft and uber yeah no you didn't know you could be stranded somewhere like if you're in the middle of nowhere at a Mm -hmm. warehouse at some Mm -hmm. party like it wasn't guaranteed that you'd like get a ride back yeah. in the town or like, you know, or you'd pay like a billion dollars for like these like car services. Mm-hmm. Um, or sometimes your car wouldn't even show up. <laughs> oh, that I do remember, like calling a car and then half hour passed and you call back. Where is it? Yeah. And then they're like, it'll get there at some point. Yeah. Yeah. You're just waiting. Because I remember like uh, parties that were totally not in the center of austin i forget yeah. what part it is called already but um they were like house parties and they were you were the only real way to get to there get there was via vehicle yeah 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 and uh so like people are a lot more spoiled these days i think they like yeah yeah you know it's probably a very different experience now probably yeah um, but i think still what isn't enjoyable for me would be the, just the, the wild amount of people mm-hmm. and Per- varying personalities and well I don't it's know. like it's always been around spring break and saint patrick's day which is like yeah the worst the yeah. two worst things like i could imagine like coming into contact with so like there's always like these like partiers like out and about in the middle of like you know a music festival and it you know it used to be way more like industry based than it is yeah. now yeah so. it's changed a lot you know, like even if you do have a badge, it doesn't mean you can get into like a place or like um, or even if you are on the list, it doesn't mean like you can get it into does, a yeah. place. Yeah. So for me, that kind of changed the experience of it. But I would be curious, like what I would think about it if I went back these days. I think if I were to go back, I would totally be diva and want like the VIP experience. I don't want to wait in a line. Yeah. I, I want to get the free food. I want to stay downtown. Yeah. I I got to say at this point, I wouldn't want to do the the kind of ex- South by experience I had in my 20s at all. Yeah. You know. I don't think I could. Yeah. 
I I'd be too grumpy about it all. <laughs> Although, did you always like make your um your like list? Yeah, handwritten and list of what I wanted to see. Like yeah. at four fifteen, X band is playing at yeah. you know this stage, and then at five o'clock this band. But if you don't get to that venue before four, you're not gonna get in because it's gonna be at capacity. Yeah. I remember it was like such a mess. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I know. I remember like um, I went and. Uh, I, always like look back with uh ryan my boyfriend and our uh i don't know technical director maybe of this podcast um like we went to south by together one year it was the last year that i had gone and um we saw omd in like a bicycle shop oh wow oh i know which bicycle shop because i saw Y oak there and someone else yes uh, yeah it's actually pretty it's I mean it's not huge but it's it's, it's considerable a size, yeah. um but it's still a bicycle shop yeah and I just we, whenever we like look back we're like we saw OMD in a bicycle <laughs> shop that's pretty cool yeah. like you you're never gonna get that experience like anywhere else no, no. it's so unique to like South by to exactly. just see like a random band like that in some random place and that was kind of the beauty of it other than like you know, it used to be like where you could just like turn around and meet new people all the time. I don't know if that happens so much because of how intense it gets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just remember like walking down, you know, some, you know, whatever, like abandoned road towards like going to the Fader Fort and like um, somebody's walking in front of you and you just like strike up a conversation. Exactly. And- and then you bump into them again a few hours later because yeah, that's how it is. Yeah, and 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 also in a similar way, like um, you'd see yeah the same people because they're usually like same interests and like um, and especially if you were like you know in media um, like you get like the press badge or whatever mm-hmm. and like get into certain sections. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you'd see the same people and. Um, and so in that way, it was like, uh, you know, our vlogging days when we'd like be like the ones in the front row with the cameras, yeah, yeah. you know, and you just get to know people. Mm-hmm. And um, I always called it like Brooklyn Spring Break. Yeah. Well, it d- did kind of feel like everybody in our universe traveled down there. Yeah. 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 Um, it's yeah. funny now I'm starting to think of like certain bands I saw in certain showcases there that I loved. And you really, you know. You, if you stumbled upon something, you could stumble upon something really great. Yeah. You know? Or if you mapped something out, you also, you know what you're walking into. Yeah. But. Yeah. So, anyway, like, so I'm kind of excited that this new festival is, like, coming into New York. Mm-hmm. And I think New York kind of needs something to shake it up a little yeah. bit. Um, and this seems, like, new enough. And it's still, like... I like that there's not like some giant artist on it that's mm-hmm. just gonna like obliterate like all the smaller bands. Yeah, yeah. Um, I miss that. Mm-hmm. I miss that kind of like, um, I mean, when you look at like festival lineups and like um, these kind of like bigger kind of showcase festivals, like they're all just like the same people. It's especially in recent years, it's the same act that headlines Coachella, that headlines Governor's Ball, yeah. that headlines whatever, you know, all the other ones. It's always the same. It's always the same. You know? And it's like, 
Do we in really fact, I remember need... the, the Times had an article a few months back saying, well, listen, we're not going to cover right about uh, every single festival going on now because the lineups are so similar. It kind of seems redundant. Yeah. You know, man, it's like a, and a lot of times, like, I feel like I don't even know who these people are because it's like EDM or some kind of genre like and then even like or to see like weirdly super pop like big pop mm-hmm. stars like on lineups that confuses well, me I feel like that's new to see like a Janet Jackson headline an outdoor festival gig yeah that's a newer concept I feel I or mean, Missy Elliott you know? I'm not gonna complain about Janet Jackson yeah, and Missy yeah. Elliott to be honest because uh, they're amazing but like you know somebody that like um, I'm trying to think like Skrillex or something oh, like gosh. that like no I don't want to see them uh, it's not like I don't like this person, but like I wouldn't be interested in seeing like an Ariana Grande on like a big festival bill. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just like not what I want to go see live. Um, but again, it's always like I've never really kind of been, like maybe the biggest like pop that you know other than like a Janet or I wouldn't even say like I'm not even that interested in Beyonce, but like and I know she's on like a ton of bills and people love her. And all that stuff. But, um, you know, I would be excited for Kylie Minogue. <laughs> oh, Kylie. Of course. Of course. And that's just like, like, not to say that she's like the best, you know, you know, star out there. But there's just something kind of like. Oh, there's something genuine about yeah, her. Something. And uh, the songs are always great. She, last, I feel like the last time she was here in New York a year or two ago, she had lined a, a big pride event, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um. But I feel like that's her fan base. In the U.S., her fan base is exclusively LGBTQ, whereas in Europe and elsewhere, it's more diverse. Yeah. So she might as well just headline all the prides, you know. Yeah. But I wish, but I mean, I would, I'd be more inclined to go to a big outdoor show for someone like her versus, yeah, someone who's like more of a big American pop star that tours regularly, you know yeah. what I mean? Or even like there was a while where it was like, like somebody like this is before like he kind of lost popularity, but like Kanye would pop up on a lot of mm-hmm. like festival lists, and you're just like, why? Mm-hmm. He doesn't need to be on here. Mm-hmm. Like, you know who needs to be on here? Like people who actually need some like exposure mm-hmm. and like you know like uh, there's no like there's no like real curating. It's almost like all right, well, who's the hot artist right now? Who are other people saying is the hot artist right now? Or like who is going to sell like, you know, three, five hundred dollar ticket prices? Like um, it's kind of just become out of control. Mm -hmm. Like when is music going to be more accessible? So I like to see like a festival like New Colossus because Mm -hmm. it's like I looked at the bill and I was like, I don't really know any of these people. I could be discovering. Mm-hmm. This is like where I could actually discover someone because it's not, uh, you know, everyone waiting in line for like the the big show of like some giant artist playing some stadium mm-hmm. or something. I feel the same. Yeah. It's like, let's get back to like, like what's good and like what has potential and like what's cool. What's, I don't know. We've kind of just like lost that over the years, and it's it's just sad. Well, I feel like with those huge 
show, you know, those huge uh, festival type gigs that are for 50, 100,000 people. I think the arrangements pretty much go, if I give you ABC, you know, a major pop or hip hop act or rock act, then you're going to book seven of my littler acts. And therefore, it's so front loaded with these gigantic names. Have you noticed? It's it's yeah. never like mid-level people. Yeah. It's always the super popular names that everyone knows and then nobody's. Yeah. Because I just feel like it's how the arrangements are done. Yeah, you know? it's a total like manipulation of booking you know it's like that happens all the time it's like well if you want this you're right it's like if you want this person then you have to and they're not necessarily good no (laughs) just no they're just somebody that they're trying to like make big but it doesn't mean that they're good no um and i think like the art of curation is lost a little bit and you know just don't find that um like that voice of curation anymore Mm -hmm. it's just like booking is like less about curation these days and more about you know money the bottom line yeah that's how it is yeah Yeah. and i think that's kind of why festivals are sort of dying Mm -hmm. like that's what i hear Mm -hmm. like you know festivals are starting and closing all the time these days there's no not a lot of festivals that are like consistently every year Mm -hmm. you know just because it's like they're not what's special about them what's gonna make them last i don't think it's like you know if their lineup is the same as every other festival lineup like why is someone gonna travel Mm -hmm. to go see that festival like i don't know like why would somebody spend that much money i don't know i feel the same i feel the same yeah and uh yeah so we'll see. We'll see what New Colossus does. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's it's exciting that they're starting something in this landscape. You yeah. Know? Like a companion. I, I want to see, like, how it's different from Northside. You know, Northside has started booking kind of bigger acts, I think. Mm-hmm. So now it's time for someone to kind of usher in the smaller bands that maybe not a lot of people know about. Exactly. All right. So that's episode two. Yeah, <laughs> got another one in the bag. <laughs> Thanks for sticking with us. Yeah, and uh, tune in next time for some more mixtape memories. See you guys. Bye. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. 
That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.